But I enjoyed the worship. I think it was lovely. And as I said at the beginning, it was really prophetic. Because the message this morning that I have is divine healing. So if we just put that slide up. How about that? So I want to talk to two groups this morning, only two groups, okay? So those that need healing and those that don't. All right? So you'll be in one of those two groups. Amen? Because divine healing should actually... concern all of us if we're the body of Christ. But does anybody come across verses in the Bible that bother them? It just bothers you. Not necessarily because it's do it or else verse. All right? We don't like those ones. But the challenge is our Christianity. We agree with the Word. We agree that it is the Word of God. But we come away saying, I'm not really seeing it. Or, God, why aren't I seeing it? And one of those verses comes in 1 Corinthians 2. But as a prelude to, prelude to this verse, Paul tells the Corinthian church that he didn't come to them with eloquence or superior wisdom, but with weakness and fear, which with much trembling. Now, if I ask people to come up the front whether to do notices or actually to preach, there is fear and trembling. <laughs> Amen? Anybody been there? <laughs> and that's a great way to come to the Word. But this verse here that says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and perfect persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now, I feel that I can fit into the top half of that sentence quite easily. And even though I would like to be persuasive, what I'm hungering for is the power of God. Amen? The power of God in our church. It bothers me. I read books on it. I read the Word on it. I pray about it. I seek what God wants to do. And yet I still hunger for more of the power of God. When Paul preached either to believers or non-believers, there was an expectancy at that time to see a demonstration of God's power. It was normal all through the book of Acts. Amen? He was saying rather than eloquence or persuasive words, the Spirit's power should speak for itself. So I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more of the Spirit. Is anybody else? Is anybody hungry for the Spirit of God? In John 14, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Most of us here would have the Holy Spirit, amen, living in us. 
He's our friend. He's our counselor. He's our advisor. He comforts us in times when we need comfort. But he also came to equip us for our great commission. As it says in Philippians 2, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. There's a purpose the Holy Spirit comes into us. But he doesn't come empty-handed, praise God. He brings heavenly gifts for his heavenly purposes. So let's have a look at this list. He brings wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. He brings this for his purposes. Think to yourself, which one of those or which ones of those are operating in your life? Are you known for any of those? Herbert isn't somebody in our church, but I'll use that as an example. We know, let's say, Herbert is known for prophecy. What are you known for in the body of Christ? What is operating out of you? Because you have them. gone quiet in here. Paul says in verse 12, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the, this list, if we just go back to that shah, is given for the common good. It isn't given for just your benefit. Now, people in here could say, well, I've got wisdom. Or I've got speaking in tongues. But is it for the common good? All of us have it. And it says, and go back to that slide six, Shah, that now to each one the manifestation. In other words, what does manifestation? There's a demonstration or there's an outpouring. There's an outward Visible sign that you have that. It's visible. It's known to people. And then it's for the common good. It's not God's intention that the manifestation of these gifts in the church slow down or become non-existent. That wasn't his intention. And even though I hunger for more of the power of God... It wasn't his intention that we were like this. As Margaret mentioned last week, every part of the body playing their part brings to the church these gifts. They are outworked through believers. Amen? See, sometimes I've felt the pressure as a pastor to bring it all. Okay, the verse says, you know, let's see the Spirit moving. Your message is okay. Sometimes it's good. 
Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it might be poor. But let's see the outworking of the Spirit. But it's like when you point the finger, there are four or three or four pointing back at you. Do you realize that? How awesome would that be? How awesome would Sundays be if everybody was exercising their gift? Do you reckon it'd be great? Paul exhorts us all, every believer, when he says eagerly, or some translations earnestly, desire the greater gifts. It should be a desire in us. And he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spirit fervor serving the Lord. And I know in the busyness of life, this is a challenge, but we should ask ourselves, in fact, ask yourself now, what is my desire level toward flowing in the gifts? And you might, have, might say, I just haven't thought about it. It hasn't entered my mind. My mind. I come to church. I want to worship. I want some morning tea, and hopefully, I might get fed through the word. During the week, was I earnestly desiring the greater gifts to flow through me? Another question: Can God see a hunger and a thirst for more of the Spirit within me? Are we crying out to God for the fire of God to come into our lives, so much so that it overflows? Are we? Are you? I've been reading books lately. I, I never used to read. Now I'm just reading so many books at one time, it's, it's, it's difficult. But somebody gives me another one on the topic that I'm reading about. Like the baptism in the Holy Spirit of fire, where there's a, just a transformation, and you know the names like Smith Wigglesworth or John G. Lake. But there's other people like just normal people, even a Jehovah's Witness. He got born again. You realize the error of that cult. But he got baptized with fire. And it changed his life. Does God see our hunger for that? Is he seeing your hunger for that? Or are you just too busy? And then, and then, if that's not enough, is there a zeal for my house? Do you have a zeal for this church? Do you have a zeal that to see people in this church going on powerfully for God? You know, to be honest, we Christians want to live right. We want God to forgive us of our sin. We want to be a good Christian. We want to hear those words, good and faithful servant, come and enter my rest. So we serve a little bit. But do we have a zeal for his house. Because that's the spirit working in us. You know, when I first saw Benny Hinn on TV, 
I watched his services for hours, mesmerized by the power of God touching so many people. Does anybody remember that? It would be there, I can't even remember what, how many hours, but I watched hours and hours of it. People going up there and being slain in the spirit and miraculously healed. In those days, the scale of God's power was new to me. But it bothered me. And it birthed in me a desire to see the same power in the local church. Not through superstars, but through everyday saints. That's why this topic of divine healing is for you. Every one of you. We don't have to be a superstar to pray for the sick. We just have to have God living in us. And it's God's intention. Jesus, you know, fully man, healed thousands of people and performed many miracles in his three-year ministry. And yet, he said, I tell you the truth, Anyone who has faith in me, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That is every one of us. Can we actually believe that? We can't. Who in here actually really believes that they will do more than Jesus did? It's a hard concept. But I tell you, church, we've got to get started. It doesn't have to be an old person. It could be a young person. We've got a hunger for more of the Spirit in our lives. You know, it says in Romans 8, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Paul tells us, lives in you, the same spirit, that's you, and you, and you, and you, and me. So divine healing, whether inside or outside the church, is supposed to be a sign. Firstly, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. What we see in the book of Acts is available today. It's available this morning. Let your faith arise. If you need healing this morning, somebody's going to pray for you. We're going to make that opportunity available. And if you're not needing healing, we're going to make it available for you to pray for the sick. Consider the healing of the cripple at the temple gate called Beautiful. Remember that the, the saying, you know, Peter and John, they said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I give you, I give, what we have, we give unto you. But going on to Acts 4.34, it says, They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. When you heal the sick, it's a sign. The healing of Malta's chief official's 
father. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Divine healing causes faith to grow in both believers and non-believers. Can you dare to believe that God would work through you to heal the sick? Anybody in here? Anybody in here that feels they're disqualified from that? I told you the story before of going to pray for Linda's neighbor. She was dying of cancer. And I was saying to God, man, their family don't know you. Heal her. We went and prayed for her. But she didn't get healed. And I was bothered. Went back to God and saying, God, I'd I'd have a Bible study in her house with all her family. Heal her, God. And she died. Wasn't my fault, but she died of cancer. But it's in me to do something, and I'm not going to give up. But if we don't start, we're not going to see miracles. Do we want to see this community reached? Do we want to see the light of God shine in dark corners? Is it a desire in you? Or will you forget about it after you've had morning tea? So I want to look at some key scriptures. After Moses had thrown a branch into the bitter water of Marah, causing it to become sweet, God said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is where we see in the scriptures where God says, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, there's a difference between those days and these days. These days, we have Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches. God doesn't bring disease on people. He is the gatekeeper. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. But still, God is the God that heals. And of course, in Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. There are no diseases that are too hard for him this morning. Isaiah wrote prophetically, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So 600 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied many things about our Lord Jesus. And 
And Matthew, Matthew confirms this. Because it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. If you are not well this morning, if you have a sickness or a disease, that verse tells you that Jesus dealt with it. It has been dealt with. It was dealt with 2,000 years ago. In Kenneth Hagin's book, What is Faith? It's very, it, makes, it amuses me. He's, he wrote a book on faith. It's about that thin. It's not a thick book. It's about that thin. And I'll read you a testimony in one part of it. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, by the way, was miraculously healed as a teenager. He was dying. He was dying. And there was no hope with the doctors. He was wasting away. And yet a revelation came to him to accept the word for what it is. But later in his ministry, he said, Years ago when I was traveling in the field ministry, some alarming symptoms developed in my body. They continued for three nights, interrupting my sleep. The devil kept telling me, This is one time you're not going to get your healing. You won't get it this time. When he persisted, I started to laugh at him. I didn't feel like laughing, but I made myself do it. I laughed aloud because I knew if I laughed long enough, the devil would ask me what I was laughing about. Sure enough, in a little while he asked, What are you laughing about? I'm laughing at you, I replied. Laughing at me? Yes, I'm laughing at you. What are you laughing at me about? I told him, you said I wasn't going to get my healing, but why would I want to get it when Jesus already has gotten it for me? Get that point? I'm not planning to get healed ever. I'm not planning to get healed ever. Mr. Devil, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I was healed nearly 2,000 years ago. This is Kenneth going on. By the stripes of Jesus, and that belongs to me. I'm not trying to get it. I have it. The symptoms stopped and never returned. I overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And this is a word for somebody here this morning. You have it. The enemy is lying to you. You are hoping and praying for a healing when in fact you have it. It is yours now for the taking. Faith 
is now, not future tense. Do you get that? Faith, faith is not future tense. We all have a part to play in divine healing. Jesus told the disciples and us, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. I look forward to the day before the service starts where you people are lining up here to see me. Pastor, I've got a testimony. Pastor, I've got a testimony. I want to share my testimony. And I'll say, oh, oh dear. Okay, I've got room for five testimonies. <laughs> Why not? Why can't every one of us have a testimony because we're out doing the Great Commission? Why shouldn't that be the case? We should build faith in us. We can't sit there and look this way and expect something from me. I'm in the community. I'm praying for people. I'm reading the Word. I'm crying out for more. But that's not going to reach a community. We are the ones that are going to reach a community. The Great Commission is for every single believer. Does anybody agree with me? Does anybody don't want to agree with me? Because it sounds like a lot of hard work. It's not going to fit with your plans. I had a picture when we were worshipping. A picture came into my mind. Jesus came into somebody's living room. He, they, they invited them in. They sat him down on the sofa. There he was. And they said, I'll be right with you. And then off, out, into the kitchen or somewhere. And he's just sitting there on his own. It, made, it reminded me of Martha and Mary. Yes, I've invited you in. But I'm sorry, I'm just too busy to spend time with you. I'm happy that you're here in my home. Make yourself comfortable. There's maybe a few magazines that you could read. Maybe the church newsletter. But I'm just too busy at the moment for you. Is that us? Be honest. And let alone the community. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The living God lives in you. And you can use that scripture for prayer against sickness. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Kick the enemy out. These scriptures are not for a special priest or minister 
nor a particular superstar endowed with peculiar powers, but for every believer, everyday men, women, and young people who accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we believe every disease, sickness, and sin were dealt with 2,000 years ago? Give me a wave if you agree with that. That simple statement. All the rest of you, I presume, are asleep. So it's not my eloquence or my persuasive speech. My tone has put you to sleep. It's our job to lay hands on the sick. It's our job to cast out demons. It's our job to raise the dead. So coming back to my original scripture, not with wise and perfect persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. As I pondered this scripture, I asked the Lord, should I do a message on divine healing? I mean, that's scary if you're wanting to see something. And he quickened this encouraging story from 1 Samuel to me. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. At that time, the enemy was up high and the Israelites were down low. The armor-bearer didn't have a sword. Jonathan did. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. The armor bearer, without a sword, says, Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. This is the word that the Lord gave me to say, yes, preach on divine healing. Pray for the sick. The outcome, of course, they went ahead in faith, believing God would do his part. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Believe that God will do his part. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. What's our role? What's your role this morning? Faith in a God that heals. Faith in a God that has healed you on the cross. All sickness is from the devil. And Jesus tells us, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Do you want healing today? Does anybody want healing today? Wow, three people. 
I know there are more people in this room that need healing today. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want to see you healed and set free. We're going to tell the devil, the sickness, to get out and get off in Jesus' name. We're going to give people, I'm just going to shortly get people just to raise their hand if they want prayer, and people in this church are going to go and pray for them. If you want to come to the front, you can come to the front. But soon I'm going to get the keyboardist. We don't need a keyboardist to bring the anointing, but it's just nice to have that background worship music playing. If you're praying for somebody in the mall or down the street, you haven't got a keyboardist, let alone a guitarist, to bring the mood up. Sometimes we hear people say, I'll believe it when I see it. You ever heard that saying? And that may be okay if you're owed some money from somebody, but that's not biblical faith. Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas's faith was based upon his physical senses and so wouldn't believe unless he saw for himself. Because we live in the physical world, we tend to want to see, touch, hear, and feel it first. But faith is based solely upon trusting God and His Word. His Word is true. Believing God is believing His Word regardless of evidence that would satisfy our physical senses. Faith is present tense. Faith is now whether or not I see it or feel it now. Hope is not faith. Hope is in the future. Maybe I will get it sometime, and that won't work. There's a place for hope. There's a hope in us that we will go to heaven, that we will go to heaven. We believe that there is heaven, but there's a hope in us that we will go to heaven. We don't hope for healing. We believe the word of God that says we were healed. So the keyboardist could come up, please. Let faith arise. I'm not out to embarrass anybody. But I want to see the power of God move this morning. Does anybody else want to see that? Okay, church, let's just stand. Let's just stand. Just pray for a start. Ask the Lord to direct you. It's the power of God flowing and working. If you need healing for anything, please just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you've got sickness in your body at all, anything, raise your hand. 